0: Welcome to Central Baptist Church's Sermon Podcast. This program features the preaching and teaching of Corey Ramirez, the pastor of Central Baptist Church of Little Rock, Arkansas. In God's Word, you will find the encouragement needed for today. And now, here's Pastor Ramirez. And if you have your Bibles, and you're... uh, Join me, if you would, in Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2 this morning. Uh, The title of our message is God, are you there? God, are you there? I don't know if anyone here has ever thought that. Maybe you've asked that within your heart. Maybe you even prayed that. God, are you there? Uh, We're going to look at this passage here this morning. Our series is the power of God's presence. The power of God's presence in your life and how... The Israelites learned this, Moses learned this, and how you can learn it as well, that when God is with you, who can be against you? Okay. But there may become moments in your life where you wonder, God, are you there? God, are you hearing this prayer? God, have you heard all of these prayers that have been taking to you for days or for weeks or for months or even years? God, are you there? This morning, I want to encourage you. I hope this will encourage you and to remind you that God is there. God is there. He's there for you. And he was there for the Israelites. And so we're going to look at this passage here this morning. Uh, first, I want to set the scene. So I'm going to do a little bit of that in my introduction. Set the scene so we see the context of this passage that we're reading here, and we know what's taking place, because you may not have read Exodus 1 and 2 or Genesis recently, so I wanted to make sure we're all aware of what's taking place. Uh, The Israelites had went into Egypt. They went into Egypt years previously, about 400 years previous. They went in, but they went in freely. All right, they went in freely. Uh, When Joseph went in, God actually took them there to protect them and to provide them for them in Egypt. And they went in freely and they resided in Egypt and God blessed them. They flourished there. God blessed them greatly. And for many years they remained and they stayed there in Egypt, uh, I guess under their power, under their authority and they were blessed and protected. Uh, but things changed. Things changed. The Bible tells us in our passage here in verse 23 of Exodus 2 it says, And it came to pass in process of time that the king of Egypt died. Now, this king that it's referring to is a king that had come to power and in his power and his reign began to uh, oppress the Israelites. Uh, he began to oppress them. So they had entered freely and they remained as residents. They had a good, they had a good relationship with the Egyptians. But things changed when a new king took the throne. Uh, we can relate to that, can we not? Things change in our country when new leadership comes in. Sometimes for the good, sometimes for the worse. But things change. Life changes all the time, and that's what happened here in Israel. Things changed, or in Egypt, excuse me, in Egypt to the Israelites. Things changed, and so for the next, uh, I would say, about ninety years, they suffered. They began to be oppressed. Uh, what went from being free went. They went to become what we'd call bond servants or slaves. Uh, They were in bondage and they were controlled and dominated. You know, what they did is they lost their freedom. Thank God for freedom. They lost their freedom is what they lost. And that's where we find them here. Okay, Moses tried to do something about it. He failed, so he takes off. He went without God, is what happened. Later, he would find out when God's with you, you can do all things. Now, Moses is taken off, and now the people are hurting and they're suffering. So, before we go forward, let me give you two thoughts as we go forward. The first one is, things, things can change quickly. Sometimes, instantly, things can change, and they can change uh, for the good. Isn't that nice when they change for the good? Uh, you get these blessings that come in. Something something you didn't count on, a blessing comes and you're excited. But then it also can change uh, what we call for the worse. Trials can come in quickly. We can have difficulties instantly. And those can also affect our life. So that's the thought we're going to go with going forward. That's what happened to Israel. The second thought is, this generation here that we're going to talk about, this generation knew only Egypt. Okay, They were born in Egypt. They lived in Egypt. They resided in Egypt. This was their land. They didn't know the land that they, that Abraham had come from or Isaac or Jacob. They knew about it but they had never been there. They knew Egypt. And so God is now going to begin working in their hearts where they are. And that's what God does too. He works where we are in our hearts and around us to bring us into His will uh, and to guide and direct us. So let's get into our lesson or our message here this morning. God, are you there? I have three thoughts and I want to Hope to encourage you with. First, God heard their painful cries. He heard their painful cries. Second, God remembered his promise to them. And then third, God saw their predicament. All right? He saw their predicament. So let's get into this first one here. God, are you there? Notice what the Bible tells us. It says says in verse 23 of Exodus 2, it says, And it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed. Uh, Sighed. That word there, uh, that's referring to just like a, almost like a, uh, resignation. They're just broken and they're hurting. It says they sighed by reason of the bondage and they cried and their cry came up to God by reason of the bondage and God heard their groaning. God heard their groaning. So let's start here this morning. They're suffering or they're groaning due to affliction. Uh, what affliction is this referring to? It's referring to bondage. Now that word bondage means servitude or slavery It's what it's referring to, uh, they had lost their freedoms. You know, I already mentioned it once, but I'll mention it again. It's worth mentioning. Thank God for the freedoms that we have today. Isn't it wonderful to be able to meet freely here this morning and to worship God as God has put upon our hearts to our own convictions? We don't have to ask permission from the government, which should never happen. We don't have to ask permission from anyone else. We can worship God freely. Or if you want to stay home, which some may have, you don't you have that right. All right. That that's freedom, is what you have. Thank God for the freedoms we have today. Let's pray that we keep those freedoms. Let's pray for our children, our grandchildren. Let's pray those freedoms remain. But they lost their freedom, is what happened. They lost their freedoms, and they were now in bondage. And that can happen quickly, by the way. That can be take take place fast. That's what happened to the Israelites. It happened in one generation. It wasn't a drawn-out period. It just happened rapidly. They lost their freedoms. And what ended up happening is evil, evil began to rule in the land. And when evil rules, uh, hopes are going to be dashed. You're going to lose hope. You're going to lose encouragement. You're going to be discouraged. And that's what happened here. Uh, the Egyptian king who took over uh, oppressed them and put them in bondage. But he died. That's what the Bible tells us here in verse 23. He died. He, like all people... Went into the grave and he died. But you'll notice something nothing changed. Okay, the oppressor was dead. But his policies he put in place remained. They remained in bondage. It's not like when he died that the Egyptians said, okay, we're going to set the Hebrews free now. No, they remained in bondage. They just had a new king and a new leader. Uh, how many of you feel that way sometimes here? I think we can relate. There are some days I, I, I think, now I believe you should vote. That's a right that we have in our country. I think the Lord for voting. Uh, you know, we should, If you have a right to vote, then I think you should vote. And vote as God leads. But I'll be honest, there have been times I voted, I thought, why am I even voting? Nothing's going to change. Uh, you know, new leadership, but everything else stays the same. Now, I know that's just me complaining right now, but that's how I feel sometimes. Maybe some of you feel that way. And the Israelites, they discovered that. They had a new king, but he didn't change any of the policies. Everything remained the same as far as the relationship between the Israelites and the Egyptians. They remained in bondage, and they remained in the same situation. So they had new leader, but they had the same troubles And the Bible tells us that they cried out to God. They began to cry out to God. Do You know that word for cry? It means to shriek. It's an interesting word. It means to shriek from anguish or pain. It implies someone who is not only hurting, but someone who's in danger. That's what that word implies. Shrieking screaming, yelling for help. So this is not someone who's just hurting. This is someone who's hurting and who's afraid of what's to come, who's afraid of the future, who's afraid of what might take place. Someone who is crying out for help. That's how the Israelites began to act. Now, does that mean they actually vocally cried out? Perhaps they did. Maybe in some of their prayers they were crying out. Maybe it was right here in their hearts. They were hurting and they were crying out for help because of the hurt that was within The implication is these people are hurting. There's a deep down discouragement and a deep down depression. Now, did they pray? It's it's an interesting question here. Did they pray? Uh, I imagine some did because we don't find a direct mention that they bowed and prayed to God at this point. We just find that God heard their groanings and he heard their cries. So did they pray? We know God heard. Here's some thoughts. Maybe there were some who did not pray. You know, the question I asked at the beginning, God, are you there? Maybe they just thought he was no longer there. And they just didn't pray. They were just hurting and they were crying out for some sort of help. Maybe there were some like that. Maybe there were some who prayed, but after a while they just stopped because they just believed God wasn't hearing their prayers or God wasn't listening or God wasn't going to answer. Have you ever felt that way? You don't have to raise your hand, but think about it. Have you ever felt that way with the prayer? And maybe that's what they thought. And so maybe they prayed for a period of time, but maybe they stopped because their prayers they thought were unheard. Or maybe there were some on in Israel or in Egypt, some of the Israelites that prayed and prayed and prayed. They were what we would call the, the, the saints of James who talks about earnest and fervent prayer. Of a righteous man availeth much. There were probably some in Egypt that were like that. They just kept praying to God and saying, God, please help us. I want to encourage you to be like that. If God hasn't answered your prayer, well, so be it. Just keep praying. Keep taking it to God. And keep asking His help. And I believe there were probably some there that just kept going to God and asking Him for help, even though they didn't know how He was going to work things out or even know necessarily that He heard and how He would answer. But the Bible tells us that God heard their groanings. Okay, So God heard their groanings. You know what this indicates? It indicates that He was there. He heard them. He wasn't too, off, too far off. Not to hear their prayers. Now, in this passage, it talks about God being the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And maybe at some point, that's what happened to these people. They thought, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has left us. He's left us here to suffer and to struggle in life. And in reality, God was there and he was listening. And he heard their groanings. He heard their cries. He heard their their calls for help. And he was close enough to respond. I'm going to give you an illustration. Let me illustrate this. I think that a way that I think can help us. You know, parents... Parents can hear the calls of their children. Parents hear the calls of their children. Maybe if you're a parent here, you can relate. You've heard your children through the years call. Maybe if you're not a parent, but you can relate as a child at some point with your mom and dad that you would call into them at times and you would uh, mention their name and they would hear your, your prayers or they'd hear your calls. Let me give you some thoughts on this. You know, some children will sometimes children will call for attention. They'll just call or they'll just say, Mom or Dad. And you know, a parent can usually pick up on it. They're just, you know... They don't really want to talk they're just saying mom you there dad and not that they ignore well I mean, sometimes you do ignore but sometimes it's just you know they, they really don't have nothing to say they're just they're just talking and mom and dad and then this and that and so you go on and and they stop saying it because they got nothing to say they have nothing really to ask for they're just they're just talking or trying to get attention whatever the case may be then there are times where a child may call for involvement Hey, mom, come look at this. Or dad, come check this out. Or dad, do you see that? Or mom, do you see that? You know what that is? That's a call for involvement. They, they want you to be involved in their life. They, they want to show you something. They want you to see something. They want you to be there. uh, by the way, as a parent, if you get that, don't ignore that. All right. Now, you might not be able to drop everything immediately, but stay involved in your children's lives. Uh, be involved with them if you can. Even when they're older, they may call you up at times and just say, let me share this with you. Isn't it wonderful to hear from your children? And, and those are the calls that are there. Here, here's the third one. How about this one? The call for help. The call for help. Uh, I imagine some of you have seen this or you've known it from experience where you know you can tell the difference between when your child is just upset at something or when your child is really hurt. There's a different cry there. there's a different almost like a, a, a scream, a different cry that you know something's wrong and you need to go help them out because they're hurting. Uh, Maybe they've hurt themselves. There's a different cry that comes with that. It's interesting. I've noticed that with parents where I've seen children fall down and and others are ready to help them and the parents say, they're they're okay, just leave them alone, they're okay. Then I've seen a child fall down and the parent knows something's wrong and they're there because they can almost tell by the cry that comes up. Don't you believe God knows his children that way too? He knows when there are times where our prayers are just, well, we're just saying it. Maybe because we have to say it when we pray thanks for dinner. By the way, let's not turn our dinner prayers into tradition either. Let's make sure we we really mean what we say. and, And I've been guilty of that where I prayed it and I thought, well, you know, I didn't really stop and think about what I prayed. I just prayed. God knows when those prayers come up and they're just words. He also knows when they're prayers for involvement, when we want Him involved in our life. But God also knows when your prayers are because you're hurting, because there's some anguish going on. There's something that's taken place in your life that you are just burdened. There's an affliction there. And you cry out unto him. Let me just share this with you. God hears those prayers. Okay, God knows. Just like a parent would know their children. God knows his children. And God's not ignoring you. God may not have given you an answer yet, but he's heard those prayers. He knows when you're hurting, just like parents know when their children are hurting as well. So God was there for the Israelites. God was there, even though they didn't know it yet. They might not have thought so or realized it. God was there. He had not left them. His presence was still with his people. Let's move on to the next thought here. God heard their painful cries, but God also remembered his promise. Notice what it says here in verse 24. And God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant, covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. Now a covenant is a binding agreement. It's a compact, so to speak, a promise that someone makes with another person, uh, with intent of keeping that promise. Uh, we make these all the time. Uh, sometimes it's a, Contract you sign, you know, you may purchase something and you say, well, I'm going to sign this contract. i want to pay this. Here's, do this. If I, you know, buy a house or buy a car, buy something else and you decide, oh, well, I'm going to pay off installments and you, you sign a contract. That's what you're doing. You're making a covenant that you're going to do your end. And if you do your end, they're going to meet their end, so to speak. And then there's a covenant there. Uh, sometimes we just use word of mouth, you know, we just say, oh, I promise I'll be there. You know, I'll promise we'll do this or I'll promise we'll do that. Now, being human beings, let me just share this with you. We try to keep our promise. Right? I think that's important. You know, my parents instilled that within me that if you promise to do something, then do your best to keep that. But we're only human, okay? And sometimes we can't keep a promise, even if we intend to keep a promise. I'll give you an example. How many of you ever promised to meet someone or made an appointment somewhere, and you left with plenty of time, you had everything planned out, and you were gonna be there, you just didn't know there was. A traffic accident or something else had taken place. You got sidetracked, you had to go way around, and you were late. Now... Really, when you think about it, in reality, you didn't keep your word. But it wasn't because of your intentions. It was because you're a human being. and You couldn't help everything out. You didn't know what was going to take place. That's the difference between us and God is what that is. You see, God, when he makes a plan and he gives a promise, he'll keep it. Because he knows all things. He's above all things. And so we're talking about a promise from God here, a covenant from God. And and what covenant is this? Let's go back here because notice he says it's a covenant between Abraham Isaac, and Jacob. And in the Scriptures, do we find a promise given to all three that is the same promise? And I believe we do. I'm going to give you all three of them real quick. Let's go to find the one given to Abraham, Genesis 15. Genesis 15, it says here, and I'll begin reading in verses 13 and 14. Genesis chapter 15. And he says here, this is God giving a covenant to Abraham here, a promise. He says, And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterward shall they come out with great substance. Okay, that was a promise given to Abraham long before the Israelites went into Egypt. Let's go over to Genesis chapter 26. A few chapters over. Genesis chapter 26, and we'll look at beginning in verse 1. Now this is Isaac now, Abraham's son Isaac. It says, And there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. So he tells him, Don't go into Egypt yet. You stay here. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee, and will bless thee for unto thee. And unto thy seed I will give all these Countries and I will perform the oath, which I swear unto Abraham thy father. I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and will give unto thy seed all these countries, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Because that Abraham obeyed my voice, kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So God appears to Abraham, and he makes a covenant with him, and says, I'm going to give you the land, and I'm going to bless you with with a nation, with people. And then later to Isaac, when Isaac's thinking of going down into Egypt because of the famine and the troubles... Now, his dad had ran into this problem and made a mistake, but Isaac, God appears and God says, No, you stay put. You know, sometimes God's going to want you to stay put. Okay, He's not going to want you to take off. He's going to want you to stay where you are. And he told Isaac, he said, You stay here because I'm going to give your family this land. I'm going to give you a great nation. I'm going to give this to your people. Now, let's go over to Genesis 46. Genesis 46, it says here, and we'll look at verses one through 4, Genesis chapter 46. And it says in verse 1 And Israel, that's Jacob, uh, his name was changed to Israel. It says, And Israel took his journey with all that he had, and came to Beersheba, and offered sacrifices unto the God of his father Isaac. And God spake unto Israel in the visions of the night, and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, Here am I. And he said, I am God, the God of thy father. Fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will there make of thee a great nation. I will go down with thee into Egypt. I will also surely bring thee up again, and Joseph shall put his hand upon thine eyes. Now, notice what happens here. Okay, We go to the next generation, from Isaac to Jacob. There's also problems. Joseph was taken into Egypt. He was there. Jacob now has discovered this, and he's wondering, God, what do you want me to do? Maybe some of you have been at that point in your life. God, what do you want me to do? And God gave him some direction. He said, go into Egypt, because I'm going to bless you there and make you prosperous. But I'm also going to bring your people out. You see, God had promised all three that they would be a great nation. God had promised all three, the land. And God had said, I will take care of you. See, that's what he's referring to here. That's the covenant that he's referring to, that he would bring them back out and he would give them the land. Now that's been a while. Let me just point this out to you. That's as far as the time period here. You're talking about a 400-year time period. All right, a little farther if you're thinking of Abraham. But from, from basically from the time of Joseph when they went into this point, 400 years. That's one of those numbers where you say it and you don't really think of it. But it, it, to put it into context, our country's only been around a little bit more than half that. 400 years is a long time. You go back 400 years from now, that would put us what 1600s. That's a long time ago. I really feel old when you think about that. If you've been around during that time period, there was definitely no internet or anything else. I mean, that was just a whole different time. 400 years is a long time. That's what I want to point out to you. They were there for 400 years. They were there for a long period of time to the point where I imagine they may have wondered, God, you, you forget us here in Egypt? God, are, are you still have that plan in place? I know, you, I know you promised it, but that was several generations back. That was well, 400 years ago you gave that promise. Is that still real today? And so what we find here is God remembered His promise. God remembered the promise that He gave unto the people. Let me just share this with you. God's promises never change. Never change. The world may change, but God's promises will remain the same. They will never change. Our faith in them may waver at times, But his promises will never change. And this promise was given. And that's what he's saying. He said, I'm going to remember my promise. And it's time for you to come out of the land. He heard their groanings and he heard their cries. So God told them he would deliver them. Even though it had been a long time ago, he promised to deliver them. And it may have seemed that God had forgotten his word, but God did not. Let me give you two promises today that you can hold on to. Because we're not in Egypt, all right? That's not our affliction. That's not our burden. That was the Israelites. But you may have some burdens this morning. You may have some afflictions. And let me give you two promises you can hold on to. Here's the first one. That's the promise of salvation. This is the greatest promise that you'll find. The greatest promise in the Bible. Uh, I want to turn to a few passages. I'm just going to go to Romans chapter 10. Uh, Romans chapter 10. I'll, I'll mention John 3.16 because it's such a well-known verse that, For God so loved the world. Gave his only begotten son, whosoever believeth in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. And we find the, the teaching there that Christ talking about believing on him for life. But in the book of Romans, in the book of Romans, chapter 10, I'm going to read a passage here and, and show you uh, what the Bible says about this promise of salvation. Romans chapter 10. And I'll begin reading in verse 9. It says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Let me, let me just say, thou shalt be saved. It doesn't say you have a chance to be saved. It doesn't say you'll be put into a drawing to be saved. You know, you know, that's the worldly method, right? You, you have a chance, maybe it'll work out. He says, no, thou shalt be saved. That's referring to something that is finished, that is concluded, and that is done. He says, if you do this, you will be saved. And then notice what he says here. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. This is a promise that you can hold on to. This is a promise that's given to you. Notice he talks about no difference between the Jew and the Greek. In other words, he's saying this is a promise to the entire world. Not just to one culture, not just to one nation, not just to one race, not just to one class or group of people, but to everyone. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Put your name there. If you shall call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. And if you have called upon the name of the Lord, you believed on him, you are saved here this morning. If you believed, in other words, you had faith, put your faith in him. You know, that's the greatest promise that you'll find in the Bible. And that, I believe, is the greatest promise that you have to hold on to. You know, the Bible talks about the fact that, you know, you can in the whole world, but if you lose your soul... You lost everything. Mark talks about that in the book of Mark. We find that. You know, this morning, your soul is your greatest possession. And if you are saved, you know that your soul is secure. And that's a promise that you can hold on to. I encourage you to hold on to that promise because there could be some days, as I tell people, there may be days you don't feel like you're saved, okay? It's not about your feelings, not about your emotions. It's about truth from God and His Word, His promise. You know, the the Israelites there in Egypt, I'm sure they didn't feel Like that promise was going to be carried out, but it didn't matter. God had already given his word. He was going to carry it out. It's the same with salvation. Once he saved your soul, you're saved. You rest on God's word and on his promise. Here's the other promise I'll give to you. Now, there's many more. I encourage you when you read the Bible. I know I like to underline the promises when I read them. If I find a promise that applies to me, underline it and hold on to it. Claim it. But here's one more. How about the promise of Christ's return? The promise of Jesus Christ's return. That's a promise, I think, that we need to keep in front of us every single day. A promise that we need to keep in mind as we go forward. That's the promise of hope that we have. We're going to see Christ someday. Oh, well, it could be today. Wouldn't it be wonderful if Christ returned? I enjoy preaching, but I would love to be interrupted right now and see His return. And see Christ return. It would be wonderful to see Him today. And that's a promise that we have. That's what gives us hope. That's what helps us through difficult times. Knowing that I'm going to see him someday and I may see him today. That's exciting. That gives us strength. That helps us through our difficult times. That's a promise I want to encourage you to hold on to. Let let me go to the book of Acts. I want you to, to notice this promise here. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 and verses 9 through 11. And this is when Jesus ascended into heaven. He says here in verse 9, And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus which is taken up from you in heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. He said it's a done deal. You you don't need to be standing around here looking for him. Just go about your business because he's coming back just like he left. That's a promise we have today. Let's live with hope and encouragement knowing we shall see him as well. You know what we find here is that God remembered his promise. God will always remember all of his promises. And here's the final thought on this. God has never broken a promise. Never. And he's not going to break any of the others. He's God and you can hold him uh, to that and count on his word. Here's the final thought here. God saw their predicament. This is what, what it comes down to. Notice in Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2 this morning and what the Bible tells us here in verse 25. And God looked upon the children of Israel and God had respect unto them. It says he looked upon the children of Israel. This indicates that he, first off, he knew where they were. You can't look upon someone or something if you don't know where they are. God never lost his children. God doesn't lose any of his children today. He knows where you are. He knows the predicament you're in. He knows your circumstances. He knows your situation. God knew exactly where they were and what they were going through. And he looked upon them. Uh, and he saw them. He's watching over them. God's watching over us today. And the other thought here is notice it says he had respect at the end of this, and God had respect unto them. That word respect means to be acquainted with someone, is what it's referring to. Having respect and having an acquaintance with them. In other words, God knew exactly what was taking place. He, had, he, he knew their situation, He was aware of their circumstances, He heard their cries. But he also understood why they were crying to him. See, there's a difference there. He knew their hurts. He knew why they were crying. He knew the pain. He knew the anguish that was taking place within their hearts because nothing is missed by God. Let's look at Psalm chapter 139. David here in this psalm elaborates on this in the best way possible, I guess you would say, as far as who God is and what God knows about us and how he looks upon us. Psalm 139 this morning, and notice what it says in verse 1. Psalm 139, beginning in verse 1. He says, O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassed my path and my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but, lo, O Lord, thou knowest it all together. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain unto it. In other words, he's saying, he, he's honoring God in this portion of this psalm. Praising God for his knowledge and his wisdom. God, he's saying, God, you know everything about me. You know where I'm at. You know whether I'm standing, whether I'm sitting, you know my thoughts from afar off. You know, and by the way, Jesus, he also confirmed this when he was on earth: the thoughts of men. He knew them. He knew he, God knows our hearts. And so what we find here is God knows our predicament. He knew what was taking place in Egypt. He knew the struggle of the Israelites. You know, God has a personal knowledge of you this morning. Let that sink in for a moment. Let that sink in. God has a personal knowledge of you. He knows your heart. You know, this morning we can make opinions about people. We can make conclusions based upon what people say or do. But I don't know anybody's heart here. I don't. And I don't attempt to try to know your heart. God knows your heart. God knows your hurts. I don't need to know those. That's between you and God. God knows your hurts. God knows... Your afflictions. God knows your circumstances. And that's what we find here with Israel. They're beginning to understand it, or they're going to understand it, that God knew exactly what was taking place. Uh, the late F.B. Meyer, here's what he said about this passage, which is excellent. He says this. He says, we are not masses before God. He goes, but we're units. We're not a forest. We're a tree. We're not a race. We're individuals. It is as though there is one child before, the God, before God in the Father's house And each of us is that child. You see, that's the relationship you have with God. It's a personal relationship. He knows you personally. He knows you for who you are, and He can help you. You see, you're important to God. You're important to God, and God is aware of your circumstances. Maybe there's someone here who's burdened with something. Maybe there's an affliction. God is aware of those, and God can help you. What God wants you to do is take them to Him. First Peter 5, 6, and 7, Cast all your cares upon God, for He careth for you. That's what God wants. What did the children of Israel do? They cried out, and God heard. God wants you to cry out, so He can help you. God wants you to take your burdens to Him, and give them to Him. Now, let me give you three thoughts on why God delayed. Because someone may say, well, God, are you there? How come you don't answer my prayer? I'm going to give you three thoughts real quick, in closing, on why God would delay In this situation, here's the first one. God had to pull them out of Egypt. Okay, Not physically, but right here inside. Remember what I told you at the very beginning? This generation, all they knew was Egypt. That's what they grew up as. That's what they knew. Even Moses, when he left, others saw him as an Egyptian. That's what he appeared to be. That's what he was. So that's all they knew was Egypt. God had to pull Egypt out of their hearts. God had to pull them away from Egypt. In other words, they had become comfortable in Egypt. And they needed something uncomfortable to drive them out. Do you know God knows what motivates you and how to motivate you? Sometimes we need something uncomfortable to get us to do the right thing. They needed some discomfort in life so that they began to cry out and they began to look to God. You know, God may not answer prayer. God may allow you to face an affliction just to get you to cry out to Him. So you look to Him and you become uncomfortable in the world or whatever you set your affections on. Here's a second one. How about they would put away their pride? Put away their pride. You see, they had to seek God's help. Seeking their own ways was not going to work. They had to seek God's help. Well, when you seek God's help, what do you do? You humble yourself. You say, God, I need your help. Some of you may know what it's like to be humbled before God. When you just fall on your knees and say, God, help me. That's what they needed. They needed God... To help them so they needed to humble their hearts. And God needed them to pull away their pride. They they had to realize they needed God uh, to help them out. And here's the third one. God had to prepare them for what was to come. These people were not only going to leave Egypt, but they were about ready to enter into a land where there would be enemies and struggles and trials. God knew what was going to take place. God knew this generation needed to be toughened up a bit. Maybe this morning God is... Allowing you to be afflicted just to prepare you for something else. You may not know what it is, but He's strengthening you. He's toughening you up a bit so that way you're ready to endure that next trial or that next trouble or whatever is down the road that God knows this is coming. You've got to be ready for this. And so the best thing to do is to walk with God. Let Him, let Him prepare you for what is coming and what he knows to be coming down the road. Uh, you know, God saw their predicament is what happened. And God delivered them. God heard them. So here's the conclusion here. God, are you there? They discovered he was. All right. They discovered he was. Later in uh, Exodus chapter 4 at the end, we find them when they finally realize this, they bow down and worship God. Because they discovered that God was there. He never left them. He was there. And God will never leave his, leave his children. That's what I want to encourage you with in closing. God will never leave his children. Oh, there may be moments where he doesn't answer. There may be times where we don't see his involvement directly, but it doesn't mean he's left. God never leaves his children. So I want to encourage you to pray. And to pray. And to pray. And to keep praying. Knowing God hears prayers. If you're hurting, cry out unto God. Go to Him for help and take those things to the Lord. Never despair and never cease to pray. Keep going to God and continue earnestly and fervently in your prayers and then wait upon God to bless. Uh, You'll probably discover like the Israelites that God has not left you. That God has a plan. God has a purpose and that you're right in the middle of it. And The affliction or the burden you're dealing with is just part of what God wants you to go through. You've been listening to the preaching of Pastor Ramirez of Central Baptist Church of Little Rock, Arkansas. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you would like more information about Pastor Ramirez or Central Baptist Church, please visit our website, centralbaptistchurch.org. Thank you for listening today. Be sure to join us again for another message from God's Word.